The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. Do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go out to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if a child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. And grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We all like a good origin story from time to time, and today our gospel appears to be just that, an origin story, the the origins of perhaps the most familiar prayer throughout all of Scripture, perhaps throughout all of time, that of the Lord's Prayer. And it got me thinking, right, this this whole story unfolds with a simple request by one of the disciples who says, Lord, teach us to pray. And it's from there that Jesus does that very thing, teaches them how to pray. So it got me thinking about the people who've taught me how to pray. One of the first that comes to mind are my parents. My parents taught me our bedtime prayer. We prayed every night. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Amen. Well, sounds good. It's a bit morbid, I guess. Every night before bed, I didn't pray for my dog or my friends. I prayed, I hope I don't die, and if I do, that God please judge me fairly. But, you know, whatever. I was a kid, and it's what we did, right? So my parents taught me that particular prayer, one that I have indeed passed along to my own kids. Then I think about Pa, my grandfather. Pa taught us our dinner prayer, and nothing brought Pa more joy than seeing all of his girls and his 12 grandkids pray this prayer together at family gatherings. God is great, and God is good, and we thank him for this food. By his hands we must be fed. Give us this Lord our daily bread. Amen. Okay, good prayer. It's got a good rhythm to it, right? Sounds good. Prayed for our daily bread. Sounds about right, right? Jesus is going to teach us to do that. So again, a prayer that that sort of has that rhythmic beat to it, easy to learn, easy to remember, easy to pull out of your back pocket if you got nothing else. Then I went to seminary, and that's when I became a professional in praying because that's why I paid all that money. At least that's what I tell myself to feel better. 
right? It was in seminary that I took worship class with Dr. Stewart, who taught me the Oran's position, your hands like this. And Zach, you have a great wingspan, so show it off when you preside, right? And so that's why I show it off when I preside. Then, not only do you learn how to, to pray out of a book like that, you learn the art of freestyle prayer, as I like to call it. And you'll never see a, a room of seminarians go quiet faster than when a, a party says, who would like to pray for us today? No thanks. I have no interest in praying in front of my colleagues here because there's no way I'm going to live up to their standard of prayer. Right? That's at least how our, our minds work. Right? So the point I'm getting at is we've all learned to pray somewhere, and today the disciples are asking that very question of Jesus, right? Teach us how to pray. But I think the key is this. Jesus isn't just teaching us the only prayer we should ever know, but Jesus is doing the very thing he's been asked. Teach us how to pray, right? And those are two very different things. And as a part of that, sure, it answers the question, what should we be praying for? But I think it's important that we focus on this idea of learning how to pray. And Jesus does that by teaching this particular prayer that we now know as the Lord's Prayer, a prayer that kind of delicately dances with a lot of tension, a prayer centered in boldness and humility. It opens up with the recognition of the divine, right? Hallowed be your name. It talks about the divinity of God and the sovereignty of God and God's kingdom that has arrived. But it also very quickly shifts to the familiar and familial, that of a, a father, of a parent, right? So already we see the tension in this prayer, this, this God who created all things, whose kingdom encompasses all of creation throughout all of time is at the same time as familiar as one of our own parents or someone close to us. The prayer then continues, with a little bit of humility, the humble acknowledgement of our dependence, guilt, and vulnerabilities before God, which is then why we ask God to give, forgive, lead, and deliver. And at the same time, even as we come before God with such great humility, this prayer is also bold in what it asks. Because notice, there's no pleasantries here. There's not even a please anywhere involved. And the other lesson my parents taught me, besides our prayer before bed, is that please goes a long way, right? Please is the magic word. And if you really want to guilt someone, you say pretty, pretty please with sugar on top, and then they got to give it to you. So why don't we say that in the prayer, right? Wouldn't that make a lot of sense? It's the magic word. That's what's missing. If only we said pretty, pretty please, God, just give me what I want, then we'd get everything we want. That is, that is, of course, if we assume prayer is magic. But it's important that we be reminded, too, in this prayer that prayer is not magic. And I know that because I've prayed things and haven't gotten the response I want. Maybe you've done the same. I've prayed for things that, for lack of a better phrase, would be pretty magical or miraculous if they've happened. Recovery for a loved one suffering from cancer. Restoration of a relationship hard to, probably beyond that. Rest, right? We, we, we pray for these things and, and, and they're bold and, and, and miraculous sometimes of what we're asking. At the same time, I'm pretty shameless for praying for slightly less important things, slightly less miraculous. You should watch me during a Bears game. Man, 
I pray real hard for our field goal kickers, and you see where that gets me over the years, right? And does God have better things to do? Ah, maybe, but I'm pretty sure, you know, I mean, God's a Bears fan, right? We all know that. So, so you know, it's, it's weird. We do these things to ourselves, right? I've also been one to maybe every once in a while say a nice little prayer while I'm driving down the highway going about eight miles an hour over the speed limit and see the sheriff sitting there in the median. Please, God, not today. Please, please, God, please, 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 please. And then they don't stop. I said, see, my prayers were answered. It worked. Right? We do these things. Now, I won't do that on the youth trip. I only drive the speed limit, parents, so just remember that. I sign the covenant too. But the point is, right, the point is, whether we ask for the miraculous or we ask for simple and mundane things, what Jesus is really pointing at is that we need to be shameless in the way that we pray. And in fact, I like that translation better. The word is persistent, but persistent doesn't get at it. Shameless is really, I think, at the heart of what's going on. And I think that's important we be shameless in our prayer. Why? Because I think that's why Jesus tells the parable. After Jesus tells this prayer, he does what he does in any teaching moment. He follows it up with a parable to drive the point home. And I love this parable. Parable is pretty relatable, actually. It's a story of a guy. A guy who at midnight had his buddy from out of town show up at his door. And he was out of Doritos. He had nothing to offer his, his friend. And so what does he do? Knock, knock, knock on the neighbor's door. Look, my buddy's here and I got nothing to offer. The store is closed. What do I do? Well, the buddy who just now got out of bed, isn't too thrilled as it turns out. And I love the honesty here. Look, man, I'm already in my nighty, and my kids are asleep and I swear to all that's holy, if you wake them up, we're going to have a problem, right? That's kind of the way that I interpret it. As a parent, I feel the same way. If someone knocked on my door at midnight, do not wake up my kids, right? But it's interesting because even though this guy is clearly frustrated, he relents. And what I really love about this parable is we get to hear why, right? And we're told very clearly that he doesn't do it because it's his friend. Because if it were my friend, they would not be my friend anymore if they were ringing my doorbell at midnight, waking up me, my children, in the neighborhood. But instead, we're told he relents because of the persistent nature of the request. Or, as I put earlier, the shameless nature of the request. This guy was in such great need that he did something he knew he shouldn't do at a time. He shouldn't do it because he needed it. And he shamelessly was going to continue to do it until it was that he got a response. And I think therein lies the key to this whole text. The key is that we need to be shameless in our pursuit of God. And that is what stands at the heart of a true prayer life. Regardless of the answers we receive or don't receive, we need to keep knocking on the door. And even if God doesn't necessarily give us what we need, we need to pull closer the God who gives us all that we have. Today isn't about learning the only prayer that you'll ever need to know forever, but instead it's about learning how to pray. And there's no right or wrong way to pray as long as you do it. And doing it means you're going to be persistent, perhaps, dare I say, shameless 
and the frequency with which we do it. But that's what Jesus wants us to do. Jesus wants us to be like that friend who knock, 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 keeps knocking until finally the door is opened. Why? Because in prayer, we pull ourselves closer to this one who's hallowed, this one who's divine, this one who stands beyond the human experience and can make all things possible. So my last thought is this. This sounds really simple, right? Just pester God until God gives in. How hard could it be, right? But when we do it, we got to be ready for God's answer, which may not be the answer we think we should get. At the same time, I struggle with this. I struggle with it because this might come as a surprise. I don't like asking people for help. Prayer is hard for me sometimes because I like to think I can make all things happen. I like to think in Zach all things are possible. I know it's not true, but I like to think that. So sometimes I shy away from the shameless prayer life because I can do it myself, right? Or I think I can. Sometimes, sometimes I don't pray to God because I don't want to pester God because I, I do that thing I'm sure we've all done. God's got better stuff to do elsewhere, right? There's someone who's got way bigger needs than me. I just need this field goal to, to, to hit this spread, right? Like, I, I don't need this, right? We play this game, right, that we always think someone is in greater need. And what Jesus is saying is that no need is too small, even refreshments at midnight. Ask. Doesn't mean they're necessarily going to show up, but ask. Be persistent. Don't assume that what you are asking for isn't worth God's time. That is a good lesson to learn about how it is that we should pray. And maybe the biggest reason I don't like praying is because it means I'm vulnerable. It means, it means that I'm admitting that there's something I can't do for myself or that I might need someone else's help. It also sometimes means that I have to admit my guilt before God. Right? We open with confession today, essentially a prayer admitting our guilt to God, asking for forgiveness. And truthfully, I don't always like to admit that to God, let alone in front of other people. I don't want other people to see me do this. That's why when we get in public sometimes and I'm asked to pray at dinner, we get a little bit quieter at Applebee's, you know, just, just in case. We don't want anyone else to hear that we're praying to God, thanking God for this food. I don't do it intentionally. It's just kind of how things are. So I hope, dare I say I pray, that you walk away from this today, recognizing, yes, the significance of this prayer, a prayer near and dear to our hearts, whatever version you like, but that you look beyond the prayer to the parable, to the lesson that Jesus is teaching us. Be shameless in our prayer. And so here's what I think is most appropriate in this moment. Let's end with a prayer. So I invite you to join me. Mothering God, you make all things. And truth be told, I feel kind of bad about how we treat all things. We come before you admitting our, our guilt and how it is that we don't necessarily care for your creation as it deserves to be cared for. How we don't necessarily think about future generations or what it means for your kingdom to come and what that kingdom is going to look like after we're done with it. So we ask that you bless us with your presence. Forgive us as we give the next generation snakes instead of fish and scorpions instead of eggs. At the same time, we thank you for that next generation, the youth who, in spite of us, continue to show up with a willing heart to serve. So bless them. 
Bless them on their trip this week that they can be filled with your spirit and your, and your love and your guidance. Be open to, to a life of prayer and enrichment and, and relationship with you and your people. And speaking of your people, we're thankful for new people, for guests who this is maybe their first time here or, or new members who are joining this day. I have no idea why they would want to join us, but they're here and they're moved by the Spirit, and I hope that this is a place where they can be nourished by that Spirit, where they can learn uh, to offer prayer, praise, and thanksgiving, to, to shamelessly ask you for whatever it is that they need and know that there's a support around, around them to help them in this community. So God, more than anything, though, teach us how to be shameless in our prayer life, to always turn to you, no matter what the need, that we always be in relationship with you who fills all needs. Thanks be to God. Amen.